What's next for the Iowa offense as they get ready for the bowl game afterwards? We expect changes. How big should those expectations be? A deep dive into the statistical profile of Iowa football. It's a quiet time for Iowa basketball finals this week. They'll be back on the hardwood tomorrow. We get into what it's going to take to make this year a successful year for Iowa hoops. And, of course, a look back into the transfer portal. You have Seth Anderson visiting this weekend. Recruiting news. Caden Proctor, he's taking another visit this weekend. How concerned should we be? All coming up today on Locked on Hawkeyes. Our Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Trent Condon here with you. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Well, thanks for joining us here today. For our viewers on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. For the podcast listeners, hit that five-star rating. It helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. As we talk to you here today, a lot going on in the world of Hawkeye athletics, though it was quiet on the hardwood with basketball, on the wrestling mat this week with finals being finals week. Bull prep continues for the Iowa football team, but biggest question today I want to get into is the offense. Now, this has been obviously a season-long conversation, and it's been a two-season-long conversation just about the offensive ineptitude from Iowa over the last two seasons. Yes, they're a bold team this year at 7-5. and five. A year ago, they won the Big Ten West, but what could have been, and not just during the last two seasons, during the last six years of the Bryant's era. So I want to talk about that a little bit because there continues to be this conversation and this thought process from a lot of Hawkeye fans. And I hear this a lot and I see your comments on YouTube and get your tweets on Twitter. And I see this a lot from a lot of different parts of the fan base that nothing's going to change. Look, you can change the offensive coordinator. You can change what they're going to be, but ultimately this is about Kirk Ferentz and his system. And it's not going to look different. And I got a lot of pushback on that. I push back on that theory that people have that there can't be real change with this offense, that you are just what you are. Now, you could make the argument that he's not willing to adapt and change. I would disagree on that front because we've seen him do it multiple times throughout his 24-year career at Iowa. I understand what people are saying, but I want to go deeper into this and take a look at some of the numbers because this continues to be out there. And just look at the numbers statistically that we've seen, first of all, the last six years for Brian Ferris. Now, as we know, we've talked about Iowa this year, out of 131 teams at the FBS level, they were 130th in total offense. Year before, 121st out of 130 teams. Again, they won 10 games, got to the championship. Could it have been more? We'll get into that. 2020, what are the high watermarks? 88th in the country out of 128 teams. Six wins, won six and two. That was the weird COVID year, even in that season. 88th out of 128. And that's when people thought at times that offense was humming. 2019. Won 10 games, final year, Nate Stanley, nine in the regular season. They were 99th in the country out of 130 teams. 2018, 92nd in the first year, Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator. They were 117th in the country. You add it all up, you put it all together, it's awful. This is an offense that averaged being ranked in the 100s. 
There is not an offensive coordinator at the Power 5 level that would keep his job with these numbers. Now, we know the reason for it. Yeah, his last name, family ties, right? Anybody else with this kind of history wouldn't be there. Well, that's what we usually get with Iowa football, right, Trent? No, you're wrong. Greg Davis, who wasn't good. It was a step back from the Ken O'Keefe years. This is what Greg Davis did. Now, in 2012, he had a returning quarterback in James Vandenberg. He went from throwing, what, 27 touchdowns in his junior campaign to, I think it was, seven his senior year. You were changing the offense. You were doing different things, trying to meld together that horizontal passing game of Greg Davis along with his own blocking scheme. Took a while, but it got better. Second year, jumped up to 84th in the country from 117th, eight wins. Following season, they averaged 400 yards per game. 400 yards a game. Iowa this year was 250. Yeah, that happened with Greg Davis as a coordinator. Following year, of course, the 12-0 regular season, 72nd in the country that year, won 12 games, and then 325, 121st the last season of Greg Davis with C.J. Beathard in his final season at the helm. That's what we saw. And then you go back to the Ken O'Keefe years, and when things got it humming. Now, I mean, this is unthinkable. I know there's young people out there. You're not going to believe this. Yes, Iowa football under Kirk Ferentz, they finished 13th in the country in total offense. Now, that was 2002. That was a once-in-a-generation offensive line coupled with Heisman runner-up, big play receivers on the outside, two outstanding running backs. It wasn't just Fred Russell. Jermell Lewis was great that year. I mean, you had all the pieces to run things effectively. And they were 13th in the country in total offense. Yes, it can happen. Now, things went down. 2003, down to 92nd. That's when Chandler uh, took over. 2004, Big Ten championship year. They win 10 games. They were 104th that year, but remember, they had to adjust on the fly that season. The run game was absolutely decimated by injury. What did they do? Well, they went out there and they adjusted on the fly. They won a Big Ten championship and went to the Citrus Bowl where they knocked off LSU. The following season, though, after that bad year, 2005, a team that disappointed all the close games that they won in 2004 went the other way. That team was 22nd in the country in total offense. 2006, 27th in the country. Now, Drew Tate departs after that. He graduates. Jay Christensen comes in. It wasn't pretty. That 2017, 109th, they cratered, but bounced back with Christensen and Stanzi taking over for him in 2008. They finished 53rd. Step back in 2009, 89th, 57th in 2010. This offense can at least be adequate. Look, to expect the levels of 2002, it's just not going to happen again. It's an unrealistic unre- situation that you're going to have to expect that kind of bounce back. We're talking about being in the top 75, the top half of college football, you know, 65th. If you can do that. And that's what makes this frustration over the six years of Brian Ferentz so frustrating to me. Yeah, they won a lot of games. And over the last five years, they have put together a five-year stretch with more wins than Iowa football has had. They've done it with great special teams and an elite defense. And if you just had somebody competent as an offensive coordinator, somebody that just didn't have the last name and got his job because of who his daddy was, you would really have something here. Think of what more it could have been. Just one appearance in the Big Ten Championship game. As good as Nate Stanley was. Nate Stanley threw 68 touchdowns during his three years as a starter. But couldn't get past that last hurdle and get to the Big Ten Championship. Couldn't get there in this three years. This year, they were by far the best team in the Big Ten West, at least defensively and special teams. But an incompetent offense set up once again what we had this season. They disappoint to 7-5. and five. Here's the thing. You have to make a change. 
You have to change what you're doing. You have to evolve. And if you don't, we're going to be talking about these exact same things. Last spring, when an opportunity arose, Ken O'Keefe retired as the quarterback coach, and Iowa could have gone out there and could have hired either somebody to be the quarterback coach, somebody to come in and be a passing game coordinator, along with a co-offensive coordinator with Brian Ferentz. Instead, Kirk made the decision, we're doubling down on ourselves. What happened? They're broke. I mean, it was just an absolutely dreadful performance out of them. Yet, people want to keep Brian Ferentz around? We'll talk about why that's a bad reason when we come back. We continue on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day as we take a quick time out. Back with more in a moment. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. I'm a huge better bet every single day. Hey, we're off to a 2 0 start in the bowl games. Feel good about that. Well, you want to get good information, go to Bet Online. They have sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis, the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, it's the college bowl season. They got basketball, World Cup, all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way for your sports betting information. Head to the website today or hop on your phone to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. I'm Trey Condon. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every single day. Your team every day with the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. As we roll through here, we're talking about some football. Now, it's a quiet time, right? We're waiting for another basketball game, and these next two games for the men's team are not exactly going to be very exciting taking on Southeast Missouri State tomorrow and then Eastern Illinois before Big Ten plays. We're going to talk a little hoops here, but finish the thoughts on Brian Ferentz. This is another theory that's thrown out. At this point in time, he was a good offensive line coach. He was a good tight ends coach at the NFL level. Now, I would argue having Rob Gronkowski, a Hall of Famer, and Aaron Hernandez before, obviously, prison got in front of him. A lot of people are going to look like a pretty good coach when those are the two guys that you're coaching. But that aside, and you want to make that argument. And you think, you know, this offensive line has struggled, possibility of him going to a role. If you're any offensive coordinator worth their weight, you have a guy that formerly had the job that also happens to be the coach's kid. And you're going to say, yeah, that's the job I want because he's going to be sticking around. I mean, the fingers of Brian Ferentz are going to be all over things. It, it muddies things up. It mucks it up. It has to be a clean break. We know there's not going to be any decisions until we get through the bowl game. And Kirk has said that relentlessly. We have heard it tirelessly. That is the way that it's going to be. We got to get through the matchup against Kentucky. And then after that, we'll see if there's going to be real changes that are happening with this offense. Another thought out there is we're not going to see a whole lot of changes. In fact, the offensive staff very well could stay exactly the same. A possibility of maybe an elevation if there is a change of John Budmeyer, who came in as a consultant this year. He helped with the quarterbacks. Obviously didn't help very much. He does have coordinator experience a year ago at Colorado State. That wasn't very good. He was the quarterback coach at Wisconsin before that for three years. Those numbers, when you look at Wisconsin, the three years he was the quarterback coach, not very good. But it's in-house. It's easy. And they could go that route once again. Look, the impact in talent needs to be said, too. Substituting Cade McNamara for Spencer Petras, one of the worst quarterbacks that has gone through the halls of Iowa. As a starter for three years, that there is certainly nobody in my 42 years that has been as bad as he was that made that many starts. It's just 
Look at the numbers. There's no two ways about it. Are there reasons? Sure. The wide receivers were depleted. The offensive line wasn't very good. I get all that. But just look at the numbers. He was not a good quarterback, yet he continued to trot out there time in and time out. This is not a Spencer Petras problem, but you're making a huge upgrade. You're bringing in a guy with an attitude, a guy that's going to have a little swagger, a guy that isn't going to quit, and on top of it, a guy that's actually accurate. And that's been missing from this Iowa offense. So you can say, hey, you bring in that, you got a great two tight end system now with Eric Hall, the Michigan transfer, coupled with Luke Lachey, an outstanding running back going into his sophomore year in Caleb Johnson with an offensive line that will be certainly more experienced next year. All those guys getting reps, maybe adding a five-star Caden Proctor. We'll get into Proctor here a little bit later today as he is set to make another visit this weekend. All that happening, and I understand the argument. Still need wide receivers, but you can make the argument. It's not an overhaul. Like They're not going to go out there and run the Mike Leach offense. God rest his soul. You're not going to see that. We're not going to see Iowa suddenly completely change what they are. But adapting, evolving, changing with the times. So Iowa's picked up tempo in past years. But it feels like as things got worse and worse over these last two years, they went further and further into their shell. Instead of exploring different things to do, they went the other direction. Instead of going out and saying we have to change thing, things even for change's sake, they didn't do that. And you're left with what we're seeing right now. There's a lot out there that very well could happen after this is gets done. And you look at what's happening in New England right now with some defensive guys trying to run the offense and for Mac Jones and company that hasn't been pretty. We know Brian Ferentz has a relationship, as does Kirk, with Bill Belichick. We know that he coached there before. The possibility of Bill O'Brien, who is very tight with Brian Ferentz, goes back to New England. He becomes the offensive coordinator if he doesn't get a head coaching gig. That is still out there. And because of that, very real possibility that Brian departs and then they can figure things out. But you look around the country, you look at what Purdue has done, and their new offense coordinator, a guy with glowing absolute reviews during his tenure. They, they got Graham Harrell to come in, run Purdue's offense. They did that. We're just sitting back, waiting until after the bowl game that nobody cares about. Woo! This one, like I've been around for a long time, covering Iowa football, two decades now, doing this. 17 bowl games, I believe, during that time. There's nothing. Nobody cares. It has been very, very bad in terms of buzz leading up to this game. We'll see. Still got, what, a little less than two weeks before we'll get this thing kicked off, and then we'll see if there's real changes that will be happening. Iowa basketball, they get back on the hardwood, and thank goodness for that because we we need some content here, right? Yeah, it's been great talking about Transfer Portal and all the things. I, I love basketball. I love breaking down basketball. I love talking with it with you. It is my favorite sport to gamble on. It is my favorite sport to watch. College basketball, more than anything, it is top number one on my list. So I had this question posed to me by a buddy the other day. Now, what makes this year successful? Now, the easiest answer to this is very frank. Just get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, right? But it's as simple as that. You look back, Iowa State last year. Got a great draw for them. Two teams that they matched up incredibly well with, and they go to the Sweet 16. Two teams that were defensive-minded, much like them. They win two games, and they go to the Sweet 16. This has happened plenty of times. Fran's first team, in fact, was picture-made for this. They played Tennessee, remember, in the first four that year, but the bracket opened up. Tennessee goes on as the 11 seed after they beat Iowa. They win the 6-11 game. Then Duke gets beat by Mercer. The bracket opens up. They beat Mercer, and they go to the Sweet 16. 
more than anything, that's what Hawkeye fans want to see. Look, you got a Big Ten tournament championship a year ago. That was great. But the disappointment of the Richmond game goes without saying. It has been since my freshman year at Iowa. Watched the game at one Eye Jake's. That's right, for your old-timers. Watched the game at Jake's the last time Iowa was in the Sweet 16. Against UConn, gave, who turned out to be the national champions that year, down in Phoenix, gave them a hell of a run. I mean, they, they played incredibly well there. It's a long time ago. I'm an old man. Got a hat on, but I got a lot of gray hair. Right? It's been a long time. So that's the most simple answer. Just get to the Sweet 16. It doesn't matter if you do it as an 11 seed. It doesn't matter if you do it as a 7 seed. It doesn't matter if you do it as a 4 seed or a 3 seed. That doesn't matter. All Iowa fans want to see is that. But what else makes this a successful year? You know, one of the things that I continue to look for and want to see, and a reason that I think this Iowa basketball team has a chance to be different this year is because I think they have an ability to be better defensively. Now, we haven't seen that, at least analytically, at a high level at this point. And it's one of those feels-like type of things, right? Boy, it feels like they're a little bit better defensively. Well, the numbers don't exactly marry with that. They're 73rd right now in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. That takes tempo into account. That's not just the points per game. I was always going to struggle with that because they play at a high tempo. They play very quick offensively, so that's going to happen. They're eighth in the country, once again, in offensive efficiency. Fran McCaffrey, he is an elite offensive coach. I mean, here's the offensive numbers from Ken Palm over the last couple of years. This year, eighth in the country. Year before that, fourth. 2021, they were third in the country. Fifth in 2020. 15th, 19th. That's what we're talking about over the last seven years for Fran McCaffrey, what they've done. But defensively, it's not good. Now that 2018 year, that was ugly. Some big expectations going into that season they created at 14 and 19. They were 242nd in the country. The next year, get back to the NCAA tournament, 111. 97th in 2020. 2021, they were 75th. 80th a year ago, and this year's 73rd. So it's a tick better. But if this team could get into, say, the top 50, now that's where they were with Adam Woodbury and company back in 2015, 2016. That's the level that they got at defensively. With what you know they're going to be offensively, the ability of shot makers that they have on those teams, that's what gives me hope it's going to be different. And here's another thing. You go back, and certainly those two teams that I mentioned in the McCaffrey era with Mike Gasell and that group, Woodbury, and on and on and on. You had, of course, Aaron White, Roy Devin Marble. They ran into one year in the round of 32, the second round, Villanova, who just was a lot better than them. Gonzaga another year, and they got run off the floor. This year in college basketball, let's say Iowa gets to that level. They're a seven seed, right? It's a little better than toss-up game in the first round. They win that. In the past, those two seeds, the gap between those two seeds and those Iowa teams was pretty significant. This year in college basketball is as wide open as I can remember in a long time. I was talking to Mike Palm. He is one of the vice presidents at Circus Sports and a big, obviously huge, huge sports gambler along with. And we were talking about college basketball just in general and the wide open nature. You have, at this point in time, Purdue, the number one team in the country. This is a Purdue team. Yeah, Zach Eadie's really good. But outside of that, they're starting a couple of freshman guards. Guys weren't even rated in the top 75 nationally coming out of high school. I mean, a very young team around Edie. That's the number one team in the country. Virginia, yeah, they won a national championship, but is that a team that scares you? Outside of an eight-minute run, they have not shot the ball incredibly well this year. I like that UConn team. They're really good, really talented. In fact, they might be my number one team if I was voting in college basketball. Alabama, 
a couple of great wins for them, including last week against Houston. Houston, they have their limitations offensively. Tennessee, Texas, what's happening with Chris Beard. Arizona, Arkansas, just on and on and on. The wide open nature, again, leads to this. Get in. Win those two games. It doesn't matter if Iowa finishes in the top five of the Big Ten. Doesn't matter if Iowa makes another run in the Big Ten tournament. It's unfortunate that we've got to this point, but it is the reality. What is successful for Iowa basketball? It's very simple. Just get to the Sweet 16. Wrapping things up on the other side of Lockdown Hawkeyes, we will get into a little recruitment talk. The transfer portal. What is happening there? Iowa continues to look for a wide receiver. They got one on campus this weekend. We'll talk about that. Also, we take a look at Caden Proctor, the five-star offensive lineman. His rating has gone up once again over at 24-7 Sports. With it, he's taking a visit this weekend. We'll talk about that as we continue on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by NHTSA. You've been hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks, maybe a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think about calling for a ride. Yeah, you live nearby. You'll make it home okay. No big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Insurance goes up. You lose your license. Lose your job. Total your car. You could sell, kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Trent kind of back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. As we wrap things up here, it is a busy weekend in the world of recruiting. Now, the reason for that is because this is really the final weekend before we get to the Ted dead period. And guys are finishing up finals. The guys in the transfer portal wrapping things up, want to be obviously in good shape academically as they're looking for a new school and a new institution. So you have that component of it. But coupled with that, you have just the window trying to get things done. You got Christmas right around the corner. You're trying to figure things out. Where are you going to be? Semester start a lot of places here in just a couple of weeks. So you're putting all these ducks in the row. Now, it sounds like Iowa doesn't have a huge group on campus this weekend, but the one guy they do have there is Seth Anderson. We've talked about Seth a lot. Charleston Southern wide receiver had a big freshman year this year uh, in his campaign at 700 yards, had a bunch of touchdowns. He's a guy that they need. They need bodies of wide receiver. They need guys that can get open. He's got lineage that gets people excited, myself included. His dad was a great NFL player. Flipper Anderson still has the NFL record for most receiving yards in a game. All right, yeah, maybe old man's going to rub off on him. Now, here's the problem. Grew up in Georgia and got an offer earlier in the week from Georgia Tech. Very quickly after that offer, he took a visit to Georgia Tech. Now, on top of it, he is in Iowa City. In fact, 
right today. He is in Iowa City here on Friday. Made his way to Iowa City. He is there on an official visit. You're rolling out the red carpet. Uh, you're putting him on a Zoom with Cade McNamara if Cade's not already there. You're doing everything possible. You're talking about what you're going to do stylistically, systematically to change what you are offensively, making it something that a wide receiver would actually want to come and play in. And here's the other part. You know, the Tesla kid we talked about last week, he's 6'4", 220. I mean, he's a monster, and he can probably block a little bit. That's not Seth Anderson's game. I mean, look, nobody wants to come there as a wide receiver to be a blocker. You understand that's part of being Iowa football and what you have to do. Seth Anderson's a little guy. He's listed at six foot, 170 pounds. Yeah, weight training, hey, that's something that maybe Iowa can sell him. Look, come here. We've done a great job in the past getting guys much bigger. You're going to sell that component of it. Everybody's got a weight staff, right? Everybody's got training staff that are going to be able to put weight on. Iowa, though, a possibility of selling him a little bit more on that one. And, and show him what's going to be different with this offense. The other huge component of recruiting going on this weekend is once again, Caden Proctor is on the move. now. Not decommitting from Iowa, but a different conversation. And the biggest part about this is what's different than going back just a few weeks ago when he made his visit out to Oregon. This time, before he left, he made sure to tell the Iowa coaches. Now, I've had some people connected to Southeast Polk, where he goes to high school, that says, this is a young guy going out, going to take one more visit and have some fun, right? Go out there. You know how it is. Great meals. Get to go out, see the campus, hang out co-eds, whatever it may be, do your thing, have a great time. And Caden's going to take advantage of that one final time in the recruiting process. Now, there are others that say, look, it's still Nick Saban. Saban was at Southeast Polk High School earlier in the week. They have NIL opportunities just like Iowa does. They can match something like that. And you play for national championships. And you're playing in the SEC. Look, Oregon, it's about the glitz. It's about the glamour. It's about the money when it's about the Ducks. When it comes to Alabama, I was got a great track record putting guys in the league, certainly on the offensive line. Alabama, though, they got that same kind of track record. They put guys in the league and the depth and breadth of guys that they put in there year after year on the offensive line. A lot of the advantages that Iowa has, Alabama, they got a counter to it. But one thing they don't have is home. And, and there's a lot of people that believe that that closeness is very important to the family and to Caden. Being a Hawkeye, staying in state, those are things that matter. Playing time, that's also there too for Iowa. Look, you go into next year with Mason Richmond, who took a huge step forward this year on one side of your offensive line, and now the other, Caden Proctor. Figure out the, the middle, excuse me, after that. I think that's a great starting point. I, I, I've called enough of Caden's games and seen him enough in person to know that he is a difference maker, that, that it's a guy that's going to be ready to go right when he comes in. Got to lock it up. There are some rumblings out there that maybe the Iowa staff was able to get an in-home visit before he left for Alabama, maybe last night. That's the case. That would be great. Not reporting anything, but that rumor is out there at this point in time. Going to come down to the last hour. Uh, the Things are never easy when you're chasing the five stars or even when you have a commitment from a five-star, but that is the latest on Caden Proctor. Well, that's the latest for us here this week on Locked On Hawkeyes. We'll be back with you tomorrow evening with a instant reaction podcast after Iowa takes on Southeast Missouri state going to play without Chris Murray. We'll see about the availability of Aaron Euless, Tony Perkins working through injury. We'll check on that. Obviously getting Peyton Sanford, right? That is a huge, huge component about that. We'll talk about it here on lockdown Hawkeyes. Thank you for making lockdown Hawkeyes. Your first listen for your next listen, check out lockdown sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction 
big game recaps and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow after the Iowa basketball game. Hope your bets go well, and we'll talk to you again soon. Go Hawks.